to cinema buns i am death i'm mike and i'm destroyer of worlds <laughs> and we're uh we're just all hot off the presses of barbenheimer what a <laughs> what an explosive weekend um for the movie industry for us like, yeah completely surrounded by really blew out the box office this weekend that we're recording yeah. this yeah yep yep we're just this. coming off the presses of barbenheimer weekend yep. ignore the date <laughs> this is all same day blame jamie our editor <laughs> we are currently in the men's restroom of the movie theater right after barbie no after oppenheimer yeah. after both really we're wearing yeah. we're wearing our pink slacks and our uh, 1940s jackets and uh blazers <laughs> just all in pink <laughs> Ke- kevin's in world war ii uh german cosplay I'm just a big Wolfenstein fan. You know? Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you haven't put it together yet, we're talking about Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan's newest uh, flick, and uh, starring Cillian Murphy and... Everyone else. Yep. And Matt Damon and Josh Peck. <laughs> and- <laughs> Out of nowhere. Um, Robert Downey Jr., I'm glad that he's getting work outside of Marvel. I don't want him like... I don't want that to be his only thing because yeah. he was a prolific actor before, um, you know, Iron Man. Um, and Ar- he kind of just been pigeon-toed to only just Marvel movies for a while. I mean, they so made I'm- him a lot of money, so I, would, I don't blame the man. Yeah, and like, but, like, uh, Chris Evans was still getting work. He was still doing a bunch of stuff oh, yeah. outside of, like, Marvel, and I'm glad that Robert Downey Jr. is. Because he does a fantastic yeah. job in this movie. Also- Granted, he just plays balding iron man in the 1940s <laughs> that that's what it feels like to me well and Louis Strauss is like he's a he's a politician he's not really yeah like, yeah i guess so if he's like a scientist since he's a scientist and he's yeah. old then yeah sure he's an old scientist who's now being a politician oh let's not forget rami malik was also in there let's not forget that florence Pugh's titties were also there yes front and center um e- everyone came for the bomb and they got the bombs and a giant bomb <laughs> both since christopher nolan just set off a mini nuke in new mexico um but i mean mike what's this movie about this movie is about a physicist a f- theory physicist a theory physicist he's in theory physics or whatever yeah okay um and it's his life from when he's basically going to college or he's he's trying to tell a story because he's like uh going through an interview for his uh clearance and this is the whole back and it's just like a whole flashback of him explaining his whole situation the movie's a little bit like other, it's, it's during no, the prime of the red scare uh yeah it is kind of like like, we're kind of like in 65 well the majority of the movie technically takes place in, in around like the 50s right 
Um, and then except for the parts that don't, the ending takes place in 1965. Well, that technically not the ending because it starts like that. Well, uh, it's because it literally starts him like <clears throat> it like sitting in front of him like. Now I'm going to explain to you my story. No, but literally, no. The I mean, like ending the ending of the movie before is the in 1965. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, or I think the movie takes place in the 60s. I'm not sure it, when yeah, Strauss it, was getting elected into or getting chosen and cleared for the presidential cabinet because I don't really know which president they were talking about. Because mm-hmm. um, like I don't think it was Truman, but like yeah. So it's like Nolan's previous work, Memento, where yeah. we're just stuck in the middle of a movie and then uh the movie is either one flashback deep or two flashbacks deep yeah sometimes um and the way to kind of just they they've kind of like illustrated that is that modern time when the movie is actually like taking place is in black and white and then all the flashbacks which is the most of the movie is like in color, in color. which is a really cool idea I like that. We should also preface this that two thirds of us saw this in film and one third of us saw it in uh, regular digital. Okay. Yeah, that's I, true. I had to take my family. And you couldn't take them to the. They were all sold out. You didn't kill people to see it. I mean, <laughs> I would have if I could find out who had the tickets. You have the German in you. Just do it. You motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's definitely again this kind of is a trait of Christopher Nolan movies. You got to pay attention. Yeah. Because the movie does a lot of hopping back and forth between, like, the different periods of time. Yeah, and it's not It's not very... It's not a straight line. No. The, the movie no. does not move in a straight line. And it kind of, like, jumps around a lot um, at different points of uh, Robbie's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes it would go back to the present. And then they would make a reference to something that happens in the past. So we're going to visit, like, a certain period of time for a second and then... Yeah, and then it goes uh, back to the yeah. present. It's really cool because, yeah, it does start, like, with him, like, it's, because, it's, yeah, it starts in the flashback, but bef- after the bomb's created, and after that, all those events, and him just being, like, a teacher now, right? Yeah. Uh, Oppenheimer? Yeah. No, uh, he no, was no. not a teacher. He he was a teacher at one point. Yeah, he was a but professor at, the, at one point. But at the point of the movie where he's getting, like... That interview you were talking about is like not is, him getting indicted, but like yeah. his, his legitimacy is being put into question. Right. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So like every, um, I mean, it's not. Are we spoiling uh, history? I would at say this you point. can't really spoil history. So like the um, every Nolan movie kind of has a, a, a twist to it, kind of like a mind breaking, like oh my god, uh, like expansion thing um, through it. Um, this one is the most kind of like grounded and subdued in his yeah. previous ones, whereas like one is like, oh, humans are fifth dimensional beings in the future and they're telling us how to solve our problems, or like, uh, is this dream real, or like, I'm actually supposed to stop myself from the past in order to continue the loop, to yeah, keep going, and uh, I'm supposed to have my friend die and yeah. whatever. In this, it's just a dude explaining his life story. Well, it, the the, to, the like, twist in, the, the twist in this is that it's um, uh, it's that like kind of Strauss, uh, plotted, yeah, like, Oppenheimer's like downfall, um, yeah, like because the entire his entire like, um, panel of uh, judges and like people that were questioning him is like, 
uh, crafted by him. Yeah. And then uh, it's... The, the events that led up to them officially questioning if he deserves the security clearance right. was set up by him and accomplished accomplices and whatnot right and then it's um it's like basically like both strauss and oppenheimer's characters is like reputations are on the line Mm -hmm. um and that's technically what the movie is about it's just like uh one person trying to destroy another um but it's like and it's like framed around the creation of uh like nuclear weapons yeah Yeah. um so I will say one thing I do like about the movie is that Christopher Nolan is able to like draft a it's it's a character piece about Oppenheimer and kind of build his reputation, his legacy, his intellect, everything around who this character was. And he does it in a way to where you are sympathetic towards him, but he doesn't make it to where Oppenheimer's this like like pantheon of good yeah no oppenheimer was a womanizing piece of shit yeah he he did some shitty shit like just straight up like hey bud i know you're letting me live in your house but your wife is hot so we're gonna do stuff Mm -hmm. and like he's not a pure person but there's elements to him that like he actually was doing certain things for a good reason right and one thing and another thing i actually really like about this movie is that i don't know pardon me i don't know if anyone else saw this kind of leading up to the movie but online there was a lot of people memeing about that truman quote where oppenheimer's like i i i have blood in my hands and truman's like did you give the order? Yeah. Shut the fuck up and yeah. get out of my office, you little <laughs> pussy. <laughs> is pretty much what it was. And I found out recently is that when the when that quote became public knowledge, uh, it was spun by people that Truman was trying to like um, soothe him. Yeah. Like, hey, listen, I know you feel that way, but I gave the order. Mm-hmm. You didn't do that. No, no, and but in reality, it was Truman going, you're a fucking pussy. Yeah. Get out of here. And there was a lot of memes about that. Like, uh, I got hired to make a bomb, and they used the bomb? No! Yeah. It, there was a bunch of memes about that. But, like, I felt like people in general didn't fully grasp what his side of that argument is. And, right. Like, pe- people don't see the existential and moral complications with that because they did it because they're like listen the germans are already working to build a bomb we need to build it before if the nazis get a nuke this is over yeah we need to build it before they do and they're like we don't want there to be a bomb but we have to do it or the nazis are going to rule everyone yeah but then the nazis fell and so they're like we don't need it anymore and but then the japanese became a thing and there was and it's shown in the movie there's this moral dilemma between all the scientists like listen we were building this to go against the nazis there is no one else doing this research right now and it wasn't until um they had scouting planes over russia um Mm -hmm. noticed that 
they're making a lot of progress yeah. in their nuclear program. Yeah. Um, and so it turned in, it, it, it like uh, felt, um, like sowed the seeds of the Cold War. It established kind of just like, even though that the, the Soviets and the U.S. were allies in World War II, that there's the beginnings of a rivalry. They yeah. were tenant. They were uh, allies out of convenience and nothing more. Right. But it it builds this entire climate. And what's funny is that the dropping the bomb is not even the climax of the film. No. No, because you don't even um, see it, which is ki- probably like disappointing to a lot of people. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like that, it wasn't really the point of it. No. no. If this was made like by someone else, twenty years ago, Michael Bay, uh, <laughs> then yeah, no, you would you'd see a bunch of like sick ass nuclear explosions. Because this is definitely like anti nuke film for sure too. On top of that, yes, that's what. Uh, but that's, that's what Oppenheimer's career turned into. Right. Yeah. And in doing so, like turned him into an enemy of the state. Yeah. Yes. Which is like ultimately why Strauss like also wanted to put him under yeah mm-hmm. and uh it's because yeah the nuke dropping is not the climax of the film and i like the way that they kind of visualized oppenheimer's kind of realization of what he's done and the damage he's wrought like just seeing those visions of like the charred corpses mm-hmm. and stuff and i will say this I had said before the movie came out, there is no way they're not going to show, like, images or videos of survivors of the nukes. Nukes. Right. There's no way. They didn't. They did not. That I was very surprised. Because I felt like that would have been a great way to hammer in the points they were trying to make in the film. However, I feel like in not doing that, they made their point stronger. Because they didn't rely on any gruesome, like, photos or gore or anything. They relied on the audience just picking up on the, like, baseline human morality of what had happened. Mm-hmm. Because we're, uh, how it's portrayed in the movie is that it's just um, a celebratory uh, radio show that Truman announces on the radio. It's like, we dropped bombs on the Japanese. Yep. yep. It's a great day to be American. Um, uh, and you can see, like, um, uh, was it Los Alamos? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire Los Alamos camp, like, cheering and honking in the streets. Yep. Um, all the all the GIs and soldiers were. Um, yeah. And then uh, some of the soldier, uh, some of the scientists are all just kind of like solemnly shaking their hands, like we we did it, but we're yeah. not like proud of doing. They're pr- they're just like good good work. Like some of the scientists were, of course, but like. Um, not all of like, like the the ones who understood the true extent of what they just created and how it's going to be used kind of were like, ah, yeah, we, we, we did the thing. Yeah. Because like, uh, it's illustrated in the movie also. It's just mm-hmm. like, cause it, some of the scientists were like, yeah, we did it. Congratulations and stuff <laughs> like that. Go America. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there definitely was like a solid handful of scientists being like, ah, there's a, there's, there's a interesting like kind of like um dichotomy and like kind of conflict in the movie in that uh the in the entire movie is like uh we have enough theory and math to figure out everything that's going to happen 
Um, but something that's introduced to uh, Oppenheimer <laughs> is that it not, none of that matters until you actually like do it. Right. Yeah. And so uh, there was this looming fear that according to the calculations, um, a nuclear explosion will cha- create a chain reaction that will um, like split the, the atoms in the air that will create a chain reaction that ignites the atmosphere and cause the end of the world. Um, and uh, you don't know until you actually pull the trigger. Yeah. Like, uh, cause they said like almost zero and everyone was like <laughs> almost zero. It's like, and then the mathematician was like, that's as good as you're going to get. <laughs> I, I liked how, uh, I think at one point they're like, well, how do we make sure you set, set off, off the, the bomb? bomb. <laughs> that's, that's how you find out. And what's funny, I actually watched a video that kind of went into depth about that aspect of the research and science and, it was a legitimate threat. Yes. It, it was like a legitimate concern yeah. to where they did consult Einstein. They consulted multiple department heads. Oppenheimer literally went to one of the other sites and met someone and was like, we need to discuss this now. We yes. need to figure this out right now. And uh, the science behind it was there is no way to get the amount of air as hot as you need to get it in order to cause that reaction to happen. It is just, it's, it's not that it's impossible. It's just not mechanically possible by humans at this point yet, yet, (laughs) but underline that word yet. No. And that kind of goes to show the, the fear and the startling realization of what they were doing Mm. is that like, also, there was like a grim joke in there of like them making bets, yeah. Of like, will it happen? We don't know until we do it. But here, take take a bet. It was also like uh, they were they were doing um, bets on the uh, destructive the output. Power. Yeah, and like how many kilotons? Yep. Yep. Uh, the the general one time asked like, what well, what we should be expecting expecting, and then he's like, oh, there's a chance of we might set the world on fire. He's like, what? No, don't worry it's, about it's it. It's almost zero. It's almost zero. He's like, almost zero? He's <laughs> like, how about not at all? But yeah, it's uh, kind of back to what Kevin said earlier, is that like the antithesis of this entire movie is just uh, two is just men, man, uh, trying to destroy man. Yeah. Both in war career rise personally everything that's the entire movie yeah and it comes up so often repeat because like even at the very beginning so uh, strauss uh robert downey jr's character is initially introduced because he's talking about how he invited oppenheimer after the bomb had gone off to become like the department head of his college which came with a free house, yep. a bunch of money, a bunch of research, blah, blah, blah. And he um, he's like, oh, I don't know if you met him. Uh, Albert Einstein is over there. And Oppenheimer's like, yeah, we're, we're friends. I'm going to go say hi. And he goes and he talks to Einstein. And then Einstein turns around and walks past Strauss. And Strauss is just like, he just becomes... You could almost say narcissistic. Like, he soured him to be. Mm-hmm. He soured scientists to me. He put him against me. Yeah. And 
it's this like jealousy and this rage at each other for uh, perceived slights and actual slights. And it just keeps building and building and building and building until the real bomb of the movie goes off uh, during the uh, hearing. Yeah. And it's where Rami Malik just shows up and starts saying, Hey, oh, blasting. What did you guys think about the length of the movie? I know it's been a popular topic about Nolan's films has always been yeah. like three hours. Yeah. I, 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 I was okay with the length. However, it, it w- you know what? It's hard to argue. Because... It wasn't until the end. I was okay with the length. Yeah. Like, when I was watching it, I was like, man, there's a lot of fat that can be trimmed. And then I was like, oh, that explains the end. Okay. And a lot of the fat that I would say most people would say would be tr- could be trimmed is Nolan likes to hold on shots Yeah, a lot. He, there's quite a few shots that he just lets the camera sit there and stare at it. And... It works really well most of the time. Like, all the parts where it includes them, like, getting the bomb together, working on certain aspects, just having it hold there, it builds this, like, anxiety mm-hmm. and this tension mm-hmm. that you're waiting for it to go off. But then there's some shots where it's just, like, <laughs> Los Alamos uh, nature shots. Yeah. And stuff where it's like, okay, we get it. New Mexico's pretty. Can we go home now? Mm-hmm. But oh. yeah, but on the flip side, uh, the first like kind of just thirty minutes is like blitzing past yeah years and scenes and like cuts and like even uh, in those three hours, there's so much that they've gone through. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I would not be surprised if like it was longer. Yeah, they essentially covered thirty years. Yeah. Of life (laughs) Mm -hmm. across like multiple scientists multiple countries multiple stages um the cinematography in this movie is fucking gorgeous Mm -hmm. oh yeah especially in film everything you motherfucker (laughs) well so like uh the imax really excelled at um not at kind of like the fantastical elements like there there are scenes where like ludwig gornson which is not Hans zimmer um but Ludwig Gorison is like such a like really talented composer. He like really emulates um, Zimmer's like feel and work really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his soundtrack plus seeing um, the uh, imaginings of uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer's mind when you're seeing like uh, electron waves um, and like nuclear explosions and atoms and particles going off this is, this is like the the things that like oppenheimer is like imagining like those scenes yeah uh completely encompassing the entire wall of an imax screen is like enthralling mm-hmm. it engorged me <laughs> <laughs> i had to wait 20 minutes after the movie was done before i could stand. There, there was a scene where Cillian Murphy was just throwing glass at a corner of a room, and I was like, "Aw, nut, <laughs> do it more." <laughs> um, no, yeah, it, it. God, this movie's just great. I I love this movie so much. All the acting is fantastic. Mm-hmm. They bring in like a bunch of just um, 
they're not cameos they're just the actors that they hired to play those parts but um some of them uh matt damon he's actually on a he's quote unquote retired he's uh apparently in an interview he said he promised his wife he would like retire or not work nearly as much as he had been but apparently his like bucket listing was like no but if i'm offered a christopher nolan role i'm taking it (laughs) it's going to happen and then when he was offered he he didn't even wait for christopher nolan to like tell him who the character was he just said when Mm -hmm. when when (laughs) and where do you need me if you guys remember there was a scene um with uh, a character named colonel pesh yes and um they like the shots that um are made like kind of build him up the shown just um the bottom half of his face the back of his head and then eventually the camera turns around and you see it's casey affleck it's very funny but um it's like casey affleck then completely uh takes over that role yeah and has become the most like menacing like scariest uh military officer you've ever seen where you're like you have to watch everything you're saying because he can like turn you into the nation's enemy yeah at any moment <laughs> yeah because his character is like explicitly supposed to investigate possible spies and stuff like that and Work, especially during world war ii yeah that was a thing yep and oppenheimer was bringing up concerns he had and he's like oh yeah who when did you hear of him when can you be more specific on yeah yeah who on the characters that who, you who was it? that you talked to yeah <laughs> oh well it was a it was a friend oh when was it? Huh? How how did he hear of it? Yeah. Oh well. You so know. what you're saying is that uh, someone that's in the program, a scientist? Can you be well, more specific on who it might be? Well, that's that's not what I'm saying. Is oh, this a, so is it's this not a, in the program. Is this a friend of yours? <laughs> yeah. Like, how many friends do you like? No bitches. Because <laughs> I feel like. I think some of the best written villains are not the ones that are maniacally laughing and talking about how they want to kick puppies and stab a baby. Mm-hmm. It is the ones that are so menacing because of how polite they are. And the real scary aspect to them is you see the veil and you see like what's actually happening. And like, honestly, like if you looking at it objectively, Casey Affleck's character is not a villain. No. Yeah, and he's only there for like he's doing his ten, job he's only for the there right. for like five minutes. Yeah, he's doing his job, but he's an antagonistic force against what Oppenheimer's trying to do. Right. So like you at this point in the movie, you fully understand the threat that this poses, and just the calm nature and when in how he's questioning Oppenheimer just keeps like yeah giving you anxiety because it's giving him anxiety. There's also Matt Damon hyping him up. He's like, wait, you talked to Colonel Pash. What did you tell him? Yeah. You did not just say that to him. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, you idiot. You absolute dumbledork. Um and then like they're just like absolute absolute like artists in their crafts just making 2 minute scenes in this movie. It's I mean, Framey yeah. Malik came, coming out of nowhere. I don't think Kenneth Branagh as like Niels Bohr is like okay, he's here I, too. I don't think I would have liked this movie as much if I wasn't able to see uh Josh from Drake and Josh. <laughs> it was I Josh Peck pulled the trigger. <laughs> Dude, it fucking threw me through a loop just all of a sudden. What? Josh Peck? Why? Why? Why is he there? Um 
But no, I don't... There is not a single actor in that movie that I think did not do a fantastic job. Um, and... You know, Florence Pugh always being the the queen, the yeah. best at her craft. The oh, be, the and best. then Emily Blunt did a good job. And that was the wife? Yes. Yeah, like okay. Kitty. And it, I do think it's funny. Not funny, but I think it's interesting how they, like... They definitely brought forward the darkness that Kitty had, but then they don't fully address it at any point. Yeah. <laughs> Just letting her baby cry while she's getting drunk. And he's like, are you going to take a... I've been taking care of him all day. Meanwhile, she's already down half a bottle of liquor. Mm -hmm. And then, like, he has to get worried about keeping the kids home alone with her at one point. It's like, are we not going to address this fully? And it's fine. I mean, you see it, like, near the beginning of when they met. You see the signs of, like... Oh, yeah. Like, she doesn't want to be, like, a housewife or anything like that. Or if she doesn't want kids. And yeah. And so I was like, that's going to be... I, I, could, I saw that right away. I was like, that's going to come up later. That That's going to become an issue. Yeah. Um, No, what was... Uh, what also kind of... What, and I was okay with it, especially because... I forgot Gary Oldman was also President Truman. Yes. <laughs> and he was also Winston Churchill. Churchill. And uh, so I was like, that's funny. Playing two two figures in World War Two. <laughs> I know one thing I liked uh, a lot was that, and I'm glad they. I sorry, I'm actually glad they didn't address the thing with the wife, because it kind of also you're coming at it from the perspective of Oppenheimer. Yeah, he's not going to talk. Where about he's it. like, one, I'm not going to talk about it. Two, I've got way more important things I need to deal with yeah. than my wife getting drunk and neglecting the children. Yeah, but um. Yeah, for those that don't know, promptly after the nukes were dropped, Oppenheimer went on a massive scientific campaign through the media, through the scientific community, through interviews, actively talking about we need to place regulations on everything regarding nukes. We need to limit how many we make, who makes them, how we make them, if we make them at all, maybe getting rid of them at this point, just a massive campaign to do it. And that was part of what we covered earlier of like, there's a famous quote, there's a famous quote, like I, I am death and I am the destroyer of worlds that he's quoted. And it's just like, yeah, nukes, everyone jokes about it. There are enough nukes to blow earth away five times over. Uh, I, I think they addressed it too. Like, uh, they were aware of the amount of life going to be lost immediately after the bomb, but they weren't fully aware of the amount of life going to be lost after like the bomb has like already like been ex- like blown up. Yeah. So like the statistics were coming out afterwards. Yeah. Um, that the initial explosion like completely vaporized what like ten thousand or so people, but over the coming weeks like hundreds of hundreds th- of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and that messed and, like, that killed. messed with them. Yeah. Which, like, I think that would mess with anyone. Right. Because they were, they were like, yeah, this is about how, how many people are going to die in this explosion. Because radiation was not, like, a really a, a thing that people considered. Like, I think they did, but they, don't, they didn't realize the extent. They were aware of it. So, funny story. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know about the Demon Corps? Yeah. You no. do. Do you? No. Okay. This was during the development of the nuke. 
Uh, oh, they showed it in the film. It was like the demon core. They don't. Oh yeah, actually... yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know Trump, but no. Yeah, they did not. They didn't address the demon core at all. That's um, why I said they were aware of nuclear, but they weren't aware of like how bad it would be on that scale, like on a scale like that. On a scale like that, no. But they knew how bad radiation was. Yes, because for those that don't know, the Demon Core experiment is a famous experiment uh, done by a scientist who is a fucking moron and didn't do what he needed to do to make it safe. Hey, that screwdriver so, was gonna hold, all right. So <laughs> basically, the way that the experiment worked is that if you took plutonium and put it in a sphere of some it, it, I, forget I, the, I think the it was tungsten? a certain type of metal or something like tungsten or but something. if you put remember. it in a sphere it starts reacting with itself and producing and outputting a shit ton of radiation like more than it would normally mm-hmm. so but a, you have to be very careful because if you if you let it close yeah but that's what happened during the experiment they had two screwdrivers uh one that just kind of they would hold it open and the other they would twist in order to make the sphere close and open and stuff. And they were reading the outputs of the radiation showing, okay, it's getting more, it's getting less, it's getting more or whatever. And, uh, yeah, they had safety procedures, which is still wild to me. And they just didn't where they weren't following them anymore. No. Cause yeah, the guy was holding a screwdriver in one hand and messing with it with the other. Yeah. And then something happened, a glass broke or whatever. Because you're not supposed to use screwdrivers. They have, like, these plates you're supposed to... Or these, like... They had apparatuses to hold them. Yes. And they didn't use them. But fucking... uh, He slipped. The two halves of the spheres closed. And this just blew out radiation. Yeah. And he had to, like, knock it off. Yep. And everyone was about to, like, evacuate out of the cabin. And they had to go, no. Go back. Stand exactly where you were. Because we need to figure out how many of us are going to die. Yeah. Luckily, only one person died. And it was the fucking moron that was running the experiment. But, no, yeah. Radiation was well known. And they knew the horrendous effects it could have on people. But they just didn't know, like you said, the scale yeah. of what a bomb would do to a bunch of people. Yeah. Um. But what's funny Cause is... Because they knew the immediate... People in the immediate radius was going to be vaporized, and they knew outside of that the shockwaves the shockwave like, would do that much damage, and then that was it. But it's also going to heat up that entire area, area where it becomes like completely unlivable. Yeah, and they didn't know that I think, or something along those along that, those lines. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, they but they did do research into like what type of detonation they did mm-hmm. would do what. So the type of detonation they did was a mid-air detonation and it caused highest damage. So it caused the most structural and immediate damage, but it actually lessened the amount of fallout that would occur. Right. Uh the most long-term damaging nuke they could have done is an on-ground detonation or a subground detonation which they were like no we don't want to do that yeah we, we just want to you know we want to make this area very hot and then the rest of the area also hot <laughs> and then they're like oh radiation does that to on a scale like that oh yeah that's not good um but uh I, I do okay. 
This isn't directly in reference to the movie. And I don't know if you guys caught this, but there was a lot of memes going around about uh, Japanese audience goers watching the movie mm-hmm. and if it was going to get banned in Japan or not. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because they were wondering if they were going to show anything about the bombs. Yeah. Um, and they're all the memes and stuff. So Japanese citizens were like, hey, it's pretty insensitive, like the memes you're making about this. How would you like it if we made memes about 9-11? Not knowing that Americans love memes about 9-11. Because <laughs> uh, they started making... They, the most... I think... I think Gilbert Gottfried was no, the first no, one to pull the trigger. I, I, yeah. think, I think what other countries don't understand about America is we make fun of ourselves way before anyone else will. The most unhinged meme that made me laugh my ass off yeah. was... Uh, it was... A, a raw screenshot from, I think it's 2chan? Yeah. In Japan? I think. You can use 2chan. But uh, there, uh, but it was just the Barbie, like, photo border mm-hmm. over the, like, two towers. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, how do you like it? And someone commented, this is hilarious. I've already sent it to five people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's what a lot of countries don't understand about Americans is, like, we make fun of ourselves all the damn time. We recognize our faults in our country already. Yeah. So whenever you send us something, if it's funny, I, most of us will laugh already on, on the get-go. There is a small minority yeah. that will take it too personally, but... Yeah. Which um, I think is going to be for everywhere, but... Okay. I'm trying to remember. When did Gilbert Gottfried... Because he made a joke of, like... Like, the day after. Was it the day... Oh, shit. That's... Wow. I I'm still. Yeah, I st- he, was, he was. It was like I think it was just like at a local club or something, and then he like made a joke about it. I I still remember the uh, the bit from South Park about when can we when Make is fun it of funny AIDS when is it funny when is AIDS funny? funny yeah and then they did a full calculation of like you have to wait what was it like, eleven years or something like that it was eleven weird, it was like seven, seven years, years or, or something, something like that yeah. and then uh, they were like. AIDS is funny, guys! Woo! <laughs> and I was just picturing the same thing, but with 9-11. God. Yes. Woo! 9-11's funny, guys! I mean, we were making coronavirus jokes while coronavirus well, was, was going, going on. on. Yeah. Well, yeah. But everyone was depressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I think the... Um, I, I wasn't expecting uh, something as like personal as like Grave of the Fireflies' like, nuclear bomb explosion scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, I I was wondering if like they were going to like like you said uh, just show aftermath and like down to the ground results right of the explosions. But then again, I think this movie is also based off of a memoir. Yeah, this is based. It's based off of his perspective, but so, like what the, the what the actual book was. So oh, okay, yeah. This uh, is a this is a book adaptation. It's a manga adaptation. Uh, so no, I was. Adaptation. Yeah, this like I said, I was legitimately yeah. surprised they didn't do that. But in the end, I think it worked out better. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I know one scene that kind of hammers it in is that Oppenheimer's showing, like, slides to all the scientists. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah of it, and no one else. We, we don't see it, yeah. Here, here's ground zero. Uh, you see those shadows? Yeah, it was so hot that the, vic- that the uh, casualties vaporized. And you're watching their reactions to it. You weren't watching the, the whatever they this were is, seeing. Oh, yeah, and it was like, this is a week after. Yeah, this is like a week two after. Weeks after. Yep. And everyone's just like <laughs> oh disgusted and yeah. horrified and mm-hmm. stuff. And like, I feel like at this point, 
history buffs definitely have, but I think the everyday person has seen at least some photos, some videos, something about what the af- um, immediate aftermath looked at like. Least, uh, at least here in America, we do. I don't know what, what other countries teach for history. Japan does teach it. I don't know. Chernobyl is no. a pretty popular like, TV uh, show. I don't, they, I don't, they, don't, <laughs> they, they, they teach that they bombs were dropped on them, but they don't teach like why. No, but they. I'm talking about the aftermath. That's oh, yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. The aftermath, they did talk about a lot. What, yeah. what I'm trying to say is that what a common issue with people, especially with historical events, is that we look like Americans. We look at it from the perspective of uh, the victors, victors. Yeah. The winners. The conquerors. Uh, we look at it as like, well, they deserved it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And... What this movie tries to, like, confront you with and what some other movies have attempted to show people is that, yeah, you won. Do you know the price of that victory? Right. Do and you- it, was, it was also, like, because th- there was a scene where um, uh, Oppenheimer was trying to suggest what to do with the bomb. Right. Can, is, can we just stage a demonstration to show how powerful it is? And um, can we fire it off at like some rural village where there isn't anyone there? Right. Um, and they, so they were like choosing targets and like Oppenheimer had to choose targets. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it was like Hiroshima, Nagasaki. He, he's like, <laughs> well, he was kind of not really wanting to do those ones. It wasn't until like no, the... he explicitly chose those ones. Oh, he chose those ones because there would be less civilian. There, there would be civilian death, but it would also be, be a structural, yeah. like military advantage. To do there's it. There's a uh, uh, who it, it was like a general. Um, oh, we the, can't do Kyoto. It is yeah, Kyoto. Just, I had my honeymoon, honeymoon there. there. Yeah, like two edges of the <laughs> And when Kevin are like weave, <laughs> <laughs> what a weave. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, literally, one of the generals is like it has massive cultural significance yeah. to Japan. Yeah. But also, my wife and I honeymoon there. Yeah, I mean, she like, would be. De- I mean, yeah, that's a double, I guess, reason. It's a, it's considerate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like you. I don't know if. Uh, enemies of the U.S. would be considerate enough to not like bomb Mount Rushmore or like New York, New York, uh, L.A. I don't. Well, actually, the White House has been burned down before. So. Yeah, I was uh, say the White House has been burned down. Uh, any any other like great one anywhere in I D.C. Know. I guess. Yeah. Or the Washington Monument, the great George Washington. I mean, what are you going to do? The Grand Canyon, make a bigger hole. Now like, we're we're, <laughs> we're not saying this like, oh, look at the Americans being magnanimous. And yeah. Cult- no, it's like, it's there's still rules to war. Yeah. yeah. And they're also and it's also showing you the like just dry bureaucracy of okay, where are we dropping the bomb? Because you, you got to think like, what's enough to like d- scare someone? Like like. Hurt their morale to get, to get them to give up, but to not to give up. Yeah, yeah. Because if you destroy like something that's really significant to your culture, that usually does the opposite effect of what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because they re- they know the Japanese are really proud. Yeah, they they they've are at this point. We fought them already on various fronts. We we know how hard they're willing to fight for their country. Mm-hmm. Like destroying something really significant to them is the opposite of what we want. What they would want to do i think i think a fact was that america was the only country within 600 years 
to actually land a military strike on Japanese soil. Because yes, that was that because, was, like, that was com- not the nukes. That was just us bombing them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, we've yeah, been yeah. also just been throwing napalm all over their country. Yes, yeah. And the Japanese that. were still going and going. So yeah. like, um, that, that we was... did that for Midway, I think, or something like that. No. I think it was Midway. No, it no, was. Uh... We did a bombing raid that was like right next to the. I mean, the like it was all of us. Yeah, we. Yeah. We, no, it would like they've napalmed a good chunk of the country. Like, yeah, Tokyo but that, that was like the first. Down. That was like the first strike though, like that we did. Yeah. Yeah, or something like that. No, I I think this movie is a very good movie. Mm-hmm. It is definitely Do you guys see this as a culturally important movie? Do you think this is going to reach that level of like I don't think everyone's going to I think people are still going to remember Inception and Dark Knight. Yeah. I don't think anyone remembers Tenet and I, I don't I don't know. It's I think it's because of the weekend, the Barbenheimer weekend. I think it'll be remembered for a good chunk now. Yeah. I think it won't be remembered again for another 10 years. And then people are like, oh, yeah, that Oppenheimer movie. Let's use that as a reference for something. Well, are you guys um, also, like, um, at the end of the year, Emily, what, what kind of nominations do you think this will go into? Ah, uh, this is... I'm, I'm thinking male lead. Male, male oh, lead, for Cillian sure. Murphy is definitely going to be nominated. But also, I want... Whoever played Ken, <laughs> <laughs> I want him. Ryan to all- Gosling, <laughs> yeah. best supporting actor. Best supporting yeah. actor. Oh, I hope he gets that. So Cillian Murphy is definitely getting nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys think Florence Pugh's titties as supporting <laughs> actress? <laughs> I think dumb cinematography. Oh. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I think cinematography is get <laughs> visual it on. effects. Because this is not... Is it technically a historic movie? Would it be under documentary? Or? No. Uh, adap- no. It is uh, not a documentary. It would be adapted... Uh, adapted screenplay is okay, going to be go. in it. Okay. It's good. Um, I forget what all the uh, nominations are. Animation. <laughs> yeah. Animation for all, like, the his I, inside music, thoughts. Music, maybe? Music, yeah. I could see music. Uh, It'll at least be nominated. Will it win? I, will, I don't think I will so. say I did think it was crazy how there was, like two parts of the movie that didn't have score i think the entire movie had ost playing the entire time more than that it was complete silence yeah yeah that was the bomb the bomb falling had nothing the nuke test yeah the nuke test yeah that had no sound until it had until until everyone started cheering Yeah. yeah um but and like like oppenheimer had been awake for about 32 hours yeah so, lead actor, cinematography, adapted screenplay. Any other? Like like I said, probably like special effects and music. Yeah. Yeah. But sound design? I think every like yeah. movie he always has like it sound, has design sound design and sound somewhere editing. there, yeah. Yeah, but the yeah, it's I guess. It's going to be on there. Uh I mean, it this still also like kind of falls into like one of the biggest gripes that people have with uh Christopher Nolan's movies is that you can't fucking hear anyone say anything because the music's so loud. <laughs> this one and was pretty I'm, good. And I'm glad that Gorenson kept that tradition when Hans Zimmer uh, was not working on it. Really? By pl- making the music also loud enough for you can't hear <laughs> people talking. I think I, it makes sense for this movie. Though, for the first for, first 40 minutes where it's just and then like people are like talking and like walking through hallways and I'm like, I can't understand a fucking thing they're saying. Yeah, there was that. I forgot. We need to recruit this. We need to recruit. Yeah. Um. No. Yeah. I. I would highly recommend this movie. 
Oh, for sure. Uh, the, hit- this movie provides a lot of ammo for um, those Sigma male oh. grind set edits. Oh, my oh God. God. Fucking Cillian Murphy putting They're on They're already his, in black yeah. and white. Looking, yeah. looking outside a window as he puts to, on his puts suit fedora, and fedora. and fedora. Uh, all you have to do is screen shake and yeah. put a quote up and you're good. No, uh, you just need to put the you just need to put it in black and white as he stares. It's out already and, in black and white. No, yeah, no, in that Oppenheimer way. and Peaky Blinders. Yeah, are, are the, the so much fuel into the Sigma male grind set. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so funny. Um, and then and then you have Ken, the the true Sigma male. <laughs> you know that yeah, there is a there is a lot of like thread that goes that weaves in and out between Barbenheimer. Yeah, it's so funny. Have you guys seen that other movie studios are now trying to artificially create another Barbenheimer situation? So, like, I the studio behind Saw X reschedule re uh rescheduled Saw X to come out the same weekend as Paw Patrol. I so mean, they're trying to start hashtag Saw Patrol. You know, like. Weirdly enough, it, it worked for these two movies at least because because they're good no, movies because no. they're just good movies. Yeah, what, and they're both equally hyped. Yeah, what made it worked is everyone was hyped about it. They're they're movies from competent and celebrated directors, mm-hmm. and it wasn't done artificially. Actually, that, it just it, happened that it they could come have been out. done artificially. We just don't know. <laughs> Because I, I could see it be done artificially because they're like, they were just like, yeah, let's do it. Listen. No, because there we, is, we created, it's the same as Despicable Me having a bunch of fucking nerds, nerds in suit. In suit yeah. 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 No, that's, that's just, it's just memes. There, there no is, one controls that. There is no fucking way that anyone working at either of those studios was like, Barbenheimer will be a thing. Hey, I'm just going to put on tinfoil hats. I don't think you guys are giving the companies enough credit on like how they plan their no, releases. No, we're giving... We're giving more credit than they deserve. They're fucking idiots. They re-released Morbius because they thought the memes meant everyone loved the movie, and they lost another eighty grand. I'm not saying all companies. I'm just saying you guys aren't giving no, like, these companies I'm, credit. I'm putting my foot down. There is no fucking way they did this on purpose. There's no way. They're too stupid. <laughs> They're too dumb. Uh, but what about you guys? Would you recommend this movie? Do you think it's... I think... If you're going to watch this movie, you need to either see Barbie after or before it. They have we to they have, they, they, <laughs> have, they have to watch it together. Yes, because it is currently uh July We're in July. 15th We're in July. Something. We're in July. Yeah. yeah. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> um but would you recommend it, Mike? Oh yeah, for sure. Um I think it's I think it should because I didn't know too much about Oppenheimer before this movie. I'll admit to that. Like I knew about the tests, I didn't know the person behind the tests. You know. Yeah. Um, seeing the president in this light was also kind of funny. Oh yeah, Gary Oldman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, all he needs to do is play a Russian leader. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got the trifecta. He's got the trifecta. He's got the superpowers, man. He's going to play Joseph Stalin. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't want Gary Oldman as Joseph Stalin. I want him as... Um, he can play... Uh, who, was the, who was the leader of France? No. What? Who was in charge of France? No. I have no idea. Uh, no. You guys are messing me up. He made communism. 
Marx. Karl Marx. <laughs> I was like Marx. He's a he's a he wasn't the he wasn't he the, wasn't leader. the leader though. Yeah, he was like a philosopher. Yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but no. he became the leader. I'll just say like it was the of z- communism because it was the czar still in charge of Russia, and then well, they yeah. fell, and then they took over. It was like literally a revolution in Russia, and then they were attacked. You know. I feel like a Gary Oldman. Right? If I remember yeah. that correctly. I feel events. like a Gary Oldman uh, Rasputin is something I want to see. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why, but it's something I want to see. I, w- I want Gary Oldman to suck the poison out of someone's <laughs> leg. <laughs> <laughs> Give him the guac guac sloppy top 3000 <laughs> limited edition game of the year. Best uh, part of the King's Man. <laughs> Just... Ralph Fiennes going, oh, as, <laughs> yes, you will walk again. Oh, oh my God. Uh, but Kevin, your thoughts? Um, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, I don't know if I can like recommend for everyone to watch it. Mm-hmm. And dev- and it's like kind of like surprising to me that everyone is. Yeah, uh, the film version, the seventy millimeter version of this show was all co- has constantly been sold out since um, its inception. Like, um, Kevin and I had to give Guac Guac nine thousands to get in, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like uh, I think I mean like Barbie Barbie actually probably like sold it um, because it was easier to see there you were, had it available in more screens. Yeah, it was shorter, so you had um, a higher density of shows. And I uh, feel like it was more accessible to the wider audience. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people saw Oppenheimer, um, but because of its length, like you technically can't have enough people to see it faster than Barbie. Yeah. Um, but that that's surprising to me. So like, it's kind of like, there's no point in me recommending it. Everyone who wanted to watch it is already it. Yeah. attempting to watch it or like has seen it already. Uh, there are probably people who have seen Oppenheimer multiple times. I think it's a kind of movie that warrants multiple views. Uh, same with every Nolan film. Um, in terms of, like, uh, in the grand scheme of the Nolanverse, uh, slightly less interesting than the other ones. Oh. Um, I would say this combination I think of I would movies... enjoy Tenet. I think I enjoyed Tenet more I than Oppenheimer. I still haven't seen Tenet, but I want to see it. Um, it's what took us out of the pandemic. That and New Mutants. Yeah, yeah, that was a movie. Uh, and Road Rage? I don't remember. It's the 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 Russell Crowe. No. Oh Road yeah, Ra- that's right. No. Where he fucking tries to murder a family because they cut him. They off honked at him too yeah. long. Oh yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, uh, no, I think this combination of the Barbie and Oppenheimer was kind of. No, yeah, it was a two wild. Yeah, I have I haven't been this excited to see two movies since Endgame. Um, and I'm then, be honest. did you guys uh, see the um, the the political uh, almost world war that Barbie created? Because <laughs> oh yeah, because of the because the map. map in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because they had to add that weird dotted line for the Chinese. Even though it wasn't an accurate map of no, the world, it's just like it's but they had vaguely, to make that part accurate. It's, yeah. It was a vaguely China shaped continent. And then a line around it. Mm-hmm. They they wanted those uh, Chinese dollars. Yeah. So they added it. Because fuck, I don't know why. Oh, oh you're, are you in that camp that it was intentional? There's no way it wasn't. That uh, l- Yes, it is. 
that dotted line was explicitly done because of um, China's like claim to the seas near Vietnam. Yeah, but that was that's if it's if it's like a case of China pandering, that's a weird way to do China pandering. Yeah, I mean, it. But like you said, it was supposed to be a. It was not a very accurate map of the world. So why add that? Uh, isn't it like it was just a ma- it was just her dotted line of the what she needs to follow to get to us? No, that's not what it was. It was on for a second, so it, I didn't really like pay attention. It was, it was not. It I was. It was just one giant dotted line that goes around the entire that, world. That's not what it was. Oh, it was specifically for that. I'm telling you. Oh wow, you and your tinfoil hat. It is not tinfoil. Yes, it is. It's not tinfoil if it's true. Thank it, you for listening to Cinema. <laughs> if my Boppenheimer thing is tinfoil, your map thing's tinfoil. Oh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us for our review of Oppenheimer, where we just kind of talked about it per use. Yeah. But you can find us at Twitter at Bun Cinema. You, if you want to help support the podcast, you can find us at Patreon. With that, I'm Ritter. I'm Mike. And I'm become... Okay. Come. Bye.